0: 11:16, SEN. This is the Flag Flyers for the American-Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flag Flyers, a place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies find the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler, and alongside me, for the last time in 2015, Lockie Miller.
2: He says that with a sigh of relief. Hello. My friend, how are you? <laughs> yes, I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm sure that there's um, a, an immense, uh, overcoming
1: feeling of uh, relief now for you, Chris. It means I can head home straight after work, though, rather than having to stick around with you. I can just leave, and because I'm always hungry, because I'm here for seven hours, and then we do this podcast, and I'm relatively hungry by the time I'm. Even, even when we start, I'm hungry. Now, you always look. You always look
2: hungry. You take that as a as a, <laughs> as a as a as a slight um, nudge. No. no, I like it. Yes, well, you do, you're quite svelte. Thank you. That's not a word. No. no, that's good. Did I say it properly? Yep. Yep, svelte. No, that's That, not right. that was wrong. That's you got wrong. You wrong
1: that time. But this is our last show for 2015. It's been a big year. It's been a good year. We've had a lot of good chats. We've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. You've taught me a lot. <laughs> Thank I'm, I'm glad. Um, I've learned nothing. And for, and for our last show... We thought we'd bring in our good friend, or not bring in. We're going to talk to him on the phone. Nathan Chapman from Prokick Australia. They've been with us. Him and him and Johnny, the two guys from Prokick, who created this dynasty that has now become Prokick Australia. They've done a lot for us over the past year. We started this show just over a year ago, and they've been with us from the very start. So we're going to touch base with them once again and kind of go through the season that was in college football. Chat about all their boys. Um, Chat about the Ray Guy Award Tom Hackett is in the uh, Ray Guy Award Talks again He's made the finals down to the last three So hopefully he can take it out for the second straight year Which would be phenomenal There'll be three Australians in a row That would be massive So we'll chat to Chappie about that And that is, that's, what, that's what our last show is going to be We're not going to do any Round of the Bases Round of the Bases has finished for the year We've just got too much to chat about with Chappie So let's get straight into it And joining us for the last time in 2015 is our good friend Nathan Chapman from Pro Kick Australia. He's been very, very good to us throughout the entire year and probably the last couple of years as well. And there's a whole lot of boys that um, he's been keeping us up to date with throughout the year. And this is going to be the last one where we can kind of take a look back at uh, 2015 and, and see how the boys went. Happy welcome to the show.
0: Christos Lachlan.
1: Oh, the accent. Uh, he's in a festive mood. <laughs> so basically, we wanted to start off by talking about firstly the Ray Guy Awards semi-finalists. That was mentioned. That was um, released a couple of weeks ago. We haven't had a chance to talk about the, the semi-finalists. So we'll touch on the four guys before we head into the, the final three. Tom Hackett, Alex Cannell, Nick Peretsky, and Cam Johnson all made the top ten, the semi-finals. How did you see these guys season? Because we probably were expecting at least four of these guys to make it, if not probably more. We only got uh, Tom Hackett making the final three, so we'll see how he goes in a couple of weeks' time. But what are your thoughts on these four guys making the Ray Guy Award finals and um, and semi-finals? And how did you see their season?
0: Yeah, look, um, I mean, those four in particular had um, really quality years in terms of their production. I think it was, you know, uh, evident or I expected that they were there. We're, you know, you'd like to think that there's um another couple that could have made it, but look, you know, ten out of hundred and twenty or so, it's not it, sorry, four out of the ten out in, in hundred and twenty guys is quite an achievement in that, um we probably feel like we're a little bit biased because we always know how these guys have gone week in, week out and you might just miss out on some other kids along the way that have probably had good seasons with other teams and you don't realise it. So, um you know, we'll we'll keep raising our bar and expecting more out of the guys. But at the end of the day, really proud of uh, you know having the four in there for sure. Uh,
2: how do they actually go about narrowing the list down from yeah like 120 to 10 and then 10 to three? Because you know it was it was funny looking at that box score if you want to call it that the other day that you posted up when when Cam Johnston for some reason God knows why did not win the Big Ten. Punter of the year, um, and his stats, Well, I, again, I, I can sort of see, like, you know, if they, they didn't like, I think it was like he had, like, one touchback or, um, you know, something ridiculous, but what, what are they looking for?
0: Right, well, you, I think you've got to break the two um, categories up. So, the Ray Guy Award's totally different. It's, um, it's graded on a number of different scenarios, inside pointy, impact on the game, uh, net average, all of those type things. And that's judged by a panel of five or six uh, judges. So you're getting different views about what you think's, you know, the right guy to win the award each week, and then also who gets into the top 50 and then the top 10. Now, the Big Ten Award, the Big Ten Award is probably a little bit different. It's, it would be a pure statistic thing. And if you do look at it, Cameron was second in what would have been gross average by about 0.2 of a yard so if you would expect that the big 10 don't really give a bugger about punting itself and would literally look on the statistics sheet to say who's got the best average they must be the best guy I've got no doubt that's how it's went and I um it's unfortunate and you'd like to think they put a bit more of an effort into it but with the statistics that were shown on that page it was clear even the kid down in um to do he, his numbers were not too far behind Cameron's himself, so um, it seems like it had just gone down on a, a gross average. Which okay, now oh well. So have have a better average than everyone else, and you'll be fine.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, as long as uh, you know, I, I mean, if it if the guys can move on from it, and it's not you know skin off their back, then then what's the matter? But um, you know, I look at these four guys, and they're they're all. In their own right, really interesting, I suppose, seasons or, or you know, a, a, achievements in their own right. Cam Johnston, this is the third time in three years that he's made the semi-final, the, the top ten. Nick Perebsky in his first year playing Division One. Alex Canal, record-breaking Alex Cannell. Yeah, with the most double the punts that a normal four-year career would have, and then Tom Hackett, who just the other day, Pac-12 Punter of the Century, like. That is a remarkable. To park. be anything of the century is pretty
1: good. Well, um, especially being a punter well, and being being his name is next to some some of the greats of American football history.
2: Well, yeah. What was that like? I mean, that must be a pretty ch- chuff moment for 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 you guys, you and Johnny, to to think that one of your you know one of your proteges, one of your one of your um, kids, has done something pretty remarkable there. <laughs>
0: I think that, I I think I seriously laugh for about two days. It was, a, I don't think, that, that award was never on the radar. That that sort of came out of nowhere. It wasn't a, this is one that you win each year and you're, you know, you're trying to achieve something with it. So that's why it was such a big surprise. And to be honest, I was looking at some pictures that he sent through of some things and some people that he's talking to and that he's meeting and the, you know, and the John Elways, et cetera. He's having these remarkable pictures with some outstanding um, players over the last, you know, again, as he said, he goes, he was packing himself because, he goes, oh, I probably don't even know what half of them look like. I don't know what positions they would have played. It, <laughs> I
1: was going to say, you can't really, really real. appreciate these guys as much as some of the other American-born and bred players probably could.
0: No, no, and he's like really, not, and again, concern is not the word, but he was like, I hope I don't make a fool of myself. I'm like, well, tell me, how you got a way of just swinging through you know, any sort of media conference or, or anything like that. But he, yeah, he showed me some pictures of some awards that come along with it. And um, I think from we look at it from a guy who we literally did make him ring us, text me, email me at 6 o'clock every morning to tell me what he was going to do while he was training with us. Just to put him in the routine of getting him out of bed because he always liked to sleep in. From where he's come to, to have that award, I think day by day we're really watching the um, the award unfold and the things that he's going to do with it, and then probably just shaking our head and, and laughing and just saying, "Hey, you know, that's our Tommy. That's just Tommy Hackett who will just come back and he's as he's as humble as they come. So it's uh, you know, a great achievement and." Um, Yeah, he's just going to look back on that one forever. That's amazing.
2: Well, the the one person he wouldn't have had to worry about recognised faces was O.J. Simpson because he wouldn't have been there. Um, (laughs) Just he had better things to do. Um, Or maybe he couldn't get there. Uh, But what fascinates me about this uh, award that Tom's just um, been given is that, you know, when we're talking, you know, team of the century and, you know, he's someone that's been, you know, effectively he's still still playing, he's still in college. And so they that you know, everyone that's gone before him, they still think that the 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 form that he's shown in these last four years I, I take it to be a reflection on maybe the way that he's changed how uh some special teamers think about um, you know, the the punt game and and the directional punting and, and just the the accuracy and, and the ability to just change things up and, and really just have that variety. If anything, I see that as as a massive endorsement for,
1: um, you know, what the Australian punter has is doing for the game. He's made everyone aware that punters really are people too. It's, I think that was that's the biggest thing that's come away from uh, his time at uh, Utah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I oh, no doubt look, he's and and that's where if you look back, the the single most influence a punter's had or a person who's had on the game at punter is probably. Tom Hackett and that's probably why the award could overlook so many quality Pac-12 punters over the years who have gone on to have 5, 10, 12-year NFL careers, great college punters in their own right. But I guess in that traditional sense what they've seen is is the impact that Tom's had overall and then really has changed the, and really has changed the game from the way you punt the ball, the yes, the direction the consistency. I believe that he's also brought in the statistic about having a ball dropped inside the ten and the five. Like people now take notice whether you, you can put the ball inside the ten and five, not the twenty anymore. He's um, so I, I really think that it's changed the way coaches need to set up on the return. How do they? They're not quite sure on how to cover it. Like there's, he's brought a whole new dimension. To um, you know, to the way people think about it, and um, what coaches have to do. So, he's he's been really um, yeah a classic a classic ambassador for that, which is yeah a skill set that the Australians bring.
2: I look at um, basically some of the the accolades that the rest of the Pac-12 team holds amongst themselves in terms of you know All Americans, Heisman trophies, um, you know Lombardi Award winners, Johnny Unitas Golden Arm winners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Down the bottom on the last line it says one Ray Guy Award, which was obviously Tom. Is he going to make it two?
0: I think he will. I think he's. Uh, I think he'd be the clear fa Well, clear favorite. I think he'd be the favorite. Um, being a senior again, he led the nation in net punts, uh, inside twenties. I think all of those statistics probably showed that he was um, he was a leader again. And I think if you um, back up after an amazing season last year, uh, I don't think it's all. I don't think he's been. Overshadowed by anyone this year. Therefore, I'd probably say that he's, he's a good chance to win it again.
2: Is there betting markets in Australia that we like anything that you're aware of? Because, like, <laughs> I think I, I need to, like you know, win some money so and uh, pay off some, some loans. So, is there any is like TRB Sports bet rent on anything?
0: Well, I don't have the app. I don't have that app on my phone, unfortunately. <laughs> so, I'm not sure. Oh,
2: we'll inquire about
1: that. So, um, unfortunately, unlike last year, there are no Australian or teams with Australian representation in the Final Four. So for most of the year, it looked like Ohio State was going to make it until they had a couple of uh, not-so-good losses towards the end of the season there. What, what were your thoughts on, on how that uh, on how that all went? Because we were probably hoping that at least one Australian team, if not two, probably would have made it. And we had a whole lot of fun last year watching both uh, the semifinals and the finals together. We watched it with a whole bunch of Pro Kick boys, and we're not going to be able to have that same experience this year, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, um... I think they just got their position wrong at quarterback from the start. I think they, they never really
1: knew who it was going to be, did they? No.
0: Nah, well, I reckon that they knew who they wanted, but if you win the championship game, you give that guy every right to start again, and I think that's where uh, I think that's where they sort of got it wrong, and they always knew. Look, look, they knew that he had a great arm, but he's not the oh. I shouldn't say the smartest. He just does what he does. It's not yeah. it's not pure knowledge of the game or I also that that he can make some dumb decisions. I think they knew they had a better position but they were winning games and I don't think they were in a position just to change it and they were getting by thinking it was just going to get better along the way but it was during the season I think they they just found a way to win but it was sort of boring. I don't think they weren't dominating teams like they should have, even though they'd you know, come away with some good, solid wins. And They're always going to come up against one really tough opponent, and which you know, shook them up, and uh, there it is. I, I think the schedule that they've got, and I think that the, the wins that they had were sort of boring and not just dominating, and then, again, as soon as they lost that one game, bang, straight down to number eight. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you do?
1: Now there's a whole bunch of guys who were seniors this season so this is probably going to be the, this is the last time we would have seen them. So guys like Jamie Keane, Alex Canal, Adam Gottes, Blake Muir, Tommy Hacker, we'll go through them one by one. We'll start off with Jamie Keane. He was probably one of the names that I expected probably to see him in the top 10 for the semi-finals for the Ray Guy award. How have you seen uh, Jamie's season?
0: Yeah, Jamie's um he's had a bit of an up and down season. Didn't have his form that he he wanted to have. I thought he's uh yeah, he was good and bad and, you know, it's sort of, I think it was a really weird season for him. Um, had a couple of injuries during the year, which probably, you know, no one really knew about and sort of uh, hernia type um, things which sort of restricted what he was doing. So I think it was just a little bit interrupted for him. Um, the NFL is a different thing. He certainly got the ability and um, the leg to be able to play at the next level and now it's a matter of, Will he get that opportunity? So he's got a couple of opportunities either, whether it be a, um, if he can get to an all-star game or a, you yeah, know, and then he's got a pro day, will he get invited to the combine, all that type of thing. So, you yeah, know, he's got those three or four more opportunities to come to, to pencil his name into showing one of the, the scouts what he can really do. Because if he gets onto it, there's there's not many people that can keep up with him. Um, from the power point of view,
2: and that was going to be like basically the insinuation of talking about these guys is you know where to next for them? Do they have NFL potential and things like that? What what is it about Jamie that maybe is it the fact that he was just inconsistent this year as opposed to his his ability when harnessed? He is NFL level or he does have that capacity?
0: Yeah, look, the scouts are always going to look at your statistics, and yeah, that's just what it is. They just sort of see how you go. Um, there is always an, an X factor. If, if a coach, um, statistics can look both ways depending on how you want them to look. If you're a if you're a scout and you can see something and you think that person's got the X factor, you as a you know as a player, you're hoping that someone sees that potential in you and gives you an opportunity to show it. And all and these guys, they, I mean, Jamie certainly got the opportunity, uh, the potential to do it, but. Technically, or the environment that he goes into now is, if you have a bad day, you, you don't have a job. So that's, that's now where it's a case of, and they say it can generally take two to three years to break into the NFL, that you never guaranteed anything. So now's the work time. Has he been doing all of the, the ball drops he needs to? Has he been doing his technical preparation that's now going to put him in, in good stead? And this is where it stems to, he'll get an opportunity, otherwise, just like Jordan Berry and just like Tom Hornsby, he would then come back and realise, right, I've got to work so much harder. I'm not at college anymore. So um, he's certainly got the ability to to perform come pro day and uh, let's hope there's some scouts there who want to give him a chance.
1: And the good news for LSU, obviously we had Brad Wing start off as a punter at LSU, then we moved to Jamie Keane. Next year we're going to have Josh Groudon jump in for uh, Jamie Keane. So we're getting the nice progression of Australian punters coming through the LSU system.
0: Yeah, um, too, too well a week ago. Well, I thought he was, Josh was going to have a new coach, and uh, that yeah, played out did pretty, a massive backflip. Pretty, pretty weird. So, um, I would, I would anticipate that you would see a few different things from LSU next year. SEC is generally a uh, pro style formation, big high spirals, yeah, directional kicks. I wouldn't be surprised, given Josh's background in the AFL, that um, they'll utilise him a little bit different, which, in therefore, um, it will be very interesting to see statistically how they go next year, because they might mix it up a little bit um, and bring in that Aussie skill. So, uh, you know, if that's the case, um, shake the SEC up and see if if any of the other teams follow suit.
1: Do you know if these these guys have been uh, bonding much off the field?
0: Uh, did you say bonding or punting? <laughs> bonding.
1: Have they been doing much bonding? Have they been going out and just uh, you know having having a good time.
0: Uh, are you, if you're reading the same tweets or following the same people, I am. You probably know <laughs> that they're getting together. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, they're a dynamic like duo, I think. <laughs> they uh, yeah yeah that look they get along really well and um, I know when we went over in July. We didn't get to see Josh too much on this is the the thing. Um, even though we we're over there, he had so much school work to do, and the, as a redshirt freshman, they just made him work really hard in the gym. He had extra gym sessions, extra tutors, extra everything, just to get all his school work done. So, um, but in, the, in terms of uh, being pals, yeah, most definitely they're going to help each other, train with each other, yeah, push each other along, everything like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's not. I mean, yeah, Louisiana. It's not the the biggest town in the world. So, yeah, uh, you know, got to hang out and play a bit of golf and
2: have a and good have time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just
1: enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th-
2: the next one is obviously uh, Alex Canal, who's who's a bit of a hard one for us to track, just because he's uh uh off 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 the grid, so to say, with uh, no social media accounts and things like that. But um, racked up some um, huge numbers. Um, cumulatively uh, over his career what what's his um, position like
0: oh you know he's a I mean you're right some of the um, some of the schools do a very very good job at promoting their players and even though Alex was a um, one of the team leaders and one of the media representatives at Wake Forest I reckon that they could still have also pushed his name a fair bit more, you know, for the for the for breaking the college record of the amount of punts that you have. You know, I mean, there, there could possibly have been some more media attention given. So um, he's certainly as well. he he's a big, strong man, so he's he's got the leg to be able to do it. And sometimes during this year, he found himself having to do a lot of rollout punts, but. Our guys in particular do know and they have been instructed and taught that every pre-game and every halftime, there are scouts in the stands watching what you do. So you still get a chance to, to, to kick and practice and show what sort of big spiral you've got, which he did. Um, I reckon that he, he's a bit of a dark horse because there hasn't been as much media attention given, but he's certainly, I believe, that there'll be some teams who'll know exactly who he is, um, and and want to know more about him, come the next yeah month or
2: two. And and just on on the other three because obviously we'll bundle up the two um, the two uh, Sydney boys. Oh, sorry, not two Sydney boys. The two positional, um, players, positional yeah. players in Adam Gotsis, Blake Muir, and also just um, Chuck Tommy Hackett in there too. With those three uh, and Alex Cannell and Jamie Keane, what what sort of what sort of odds would you put on them getting to the combine?
0: Um. Good question. You know, to get to the combine, you've got to have a number of... You've got to have a percentage of the NFL teams vote for you to go. So, they, so you know, they'll so they get a, a sheet to, to fill out a questionnaire. Which punters do you like um, and which ones do you want to invite? So the team can say, well, I like this guy and this guy. And another team will pick someone else or the same. And you've got to... I think it's you've got to have more than 50% of the team's vote for you to turn to go to the combine, so um, for you to get that invitation. So it's and it's sort of it. Those votes would have already been done. They would have been done um, in November. Um, so yeah, look, I. I oh. When
2: does that information come out?
0: Well, it doesn't really come out. You just get an invitation. Oh, so it's
2: so- it's not publicly made. Who who gets?
0: No, the NFL will just get that. You know, the NFL will get the the votes will come in, and then the NFL will send the invitation out to the combine.
1: So it's it's a certain amount. So every every position is is covered, is it? So they they vote for a certain amount of players in a certain position. Is that how it works? So they, well, they might invite a couple of punters, a couple of you
0: know. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna use. I'm not gonna give you specific numbers because I I don't know yeah, the yeah. exact number from the positions, but it might be each team you know, Green Bay Packers might get to select um four offensive tackles and four quarterbacks and two punters and two kickers and whatever and then all of a sudden, you know, you you end up with the the statistics that'll say, Well, you know, one team that lives in you know, the Kansas City Chiefs might pick and know about one particular player And they might want him to go because they really want him to see what he does, but no one else might know about him. So it's a case of if everyone knows about him, then they know that the league in general has got an interest in this particular kid because that kid's stacked up a number of votes. So there's going to be lots of interest um, generated, and then they get their media attention off that. So um, they've always got good guys participating.
1: So when one door closes and these guys finish off their careers at college, another door opens, so we've got a whole lot of new kids coming through the system. Who should we be looking forward to next season? Have we got a, a, a bunch of new blokes coming through the, uh, the collegiate system that we can talk about and we can announce and, and just kind of pump up a little bit? Arizona State.
0: Well, that was going to come to mind, actually, yeah. Michael Sleep-Dolton. Well, yeah, okay. We've got a couple. <laughs> Arizona State, okay. They, so they've picked up uh, Michael sleep Dolden, Um Interestingly enough, the special teams coach there was, or is now, the is now the special teams coach at Arizona, Arizona State was the special teams coach at Green Bay when we did the deal with Chris Bryan to go to right. Green Bay. So there's the connections that you form over the years. So he's gone from the NFL for
1: never burn any bridges, Chappie. That's that's. Oh I yeah, I it there, yeah, I
0: yeah. swore at him I him a few times, but <laughs> you get over that. That's just That's business. <laughs> that's business. Yeah. Um so when he um he took the job there, it's like right, who have we got? So we we sort of put that name up and um and got that deal done there obviously a couple of weeks ago. So that'll be a very interesting one now. That's interesting because Michael Sleet Dalton is he has a tremendous powerful leg. He can kick a 50-yard spiral on his left foot as well as his right. So he's a very, very skillful, um, powerful guy coming out of Geelong. Um, the interesting part about that is, obviously, who's going to follow up Tommy Hackett that we now get to talk about? Mitch Wisnowski. So, you know, if you, if you want some big shoes to fill, Mitch, and we kept pumping Mitch up for a number of years, well, now he's just got to beat out the... You know, a Pac-12 bull century punter. So that's a big challenge for him to to now to live up to. Mitch has got a tremendously powerful leg as well. Throw in who we haven't who hasn't played this year, Chris Tilby, and another Pac-12 guy, big leg at USC. So all of a sudden, there's there's three new names coming into it who have all sat out this year. Um, that we'll get to talk about that are, that have already been in the system. So I'm looking forward to those three uh, hitting it out and and really creating a a very very strong Pac-12 contingent contingent along with Nick Perewski. And I think he'll he'll grow and develop himself because uh, he had a baptism of fire there at Oregon State. They just they just slaughtered him with pressure and. Um, bad snaps and that but uh, he's he's starting to come into his own that's for sure.
1: It never stops for you guys mate and you're always here for us when we need you so thank you very much for everything that you and Johnny have been doing for us for the past year or so and hopefully you can continue on next year and beyond so thanks for joining us again mate.
0: The beer's on ice Friday night. It's going to be good.
1: Beers, spirits mate. (laughs) We're going hard. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to the end of the show today and this year, Chris Tyler and Lockie Miller. It's been a good year, Lockie. Thank you for uh for jumping on board and, and doing this show with me. It's been a pleasure to uh to come into the studio every Monday evening with you and record this show, so thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as me. Do you enjoy it? Thanks everyone for a
2: wonderful year. Uh, no, it has been fantastic, Christos. Um, it's always um, always enjoyable to come in and, and talk sport and um, uh, have some uh, fun conversations off air, um, and then hope, re- try to remember to make sure that none of it gets on air. But uh, yeah, no, good year, and, um, and
1: hopefully next year can bring a lot of new fun adventures for us as well. Thank you everyone for listening to the Flag for us throughout the year. We'll uh, we'll be with you again next year. So have a great Christmas, have a happy New Year, and we'll speak to you in 2016. Bye. Three hundred for more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN,
0: follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America. Now